Our first guest is Andrew Hentz. Uh, fans of plane, trains, and automobiles know him as the camel smoking bus passenger that catches Steve Martin watching him heavily make out with a girl and says, why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. An absolutely iconic moment in the classic film. So let's dive right into the questions. Hey, so question. I have to know, this was the only time, of course, that you starred in a film. Is this correct? Well, I, I, I've done a lot of stunt double work, but as far as, um, uh, as my face being on the camera and being a recognizable individual in the film, yeah, that's, this is my, my first time. Um, you brought up something when we were, when we were talking, setting everything up for this, um, speaking of the stunt double work, that uh, there was a black ball situation um, that kind of put a hindrance in further stunt double work. Could you, could you talk about that a little bit? Actually, it was any further work because I, the only agent I was listed with was an outfit called Hoser Roche. And uh, I did some, uh, I was originally doing double work on a, on a series called John Sable for Hire. And uh, it, they only filmed seven episodes and none of the networks bought it. They aired them, but that was about it. Um, but uh, their their uh, their second their their stunt man their stunt uh, the stunt man they were going to have do the film was heard on a second unit shooting and they asked me if if I could fill in for him and I said sure um, they had the hero of the story chasing me up a a, a fire escape um, it didn't seem like a big deal to me they have to they had to kept had to keep telling me to slow down slow down you're going up the staircase too fast. John can't keep up with it, just just slow down. So I used to ride my bike about four, four, four or 500 miles a week, my bicycle at that point. So I was in pretty good shape. And uh, so I was making a snail's crawl up the fire escape when I stepped on one of the stairs and, the, and, the, and it broke out. They neglected to mention that the stairs were falling out on the fire escape, which um, took it from being double work to stunt double work in my opinion and uh they tried to pay me regular double wages and i said no i said you know i risked my life for your production and i you know i expect to be remunerated for it and um they uh they begged to differ so i went to my agent holder roach and i explained the situation to her and she got me a a push for like 700 bucks or something and i still wasn't paid the going right for stunt double work and it it irritated me and I called the, the Screen uh, Actors Guild on him and that really um, upset my agent to no end and she basically told me you're never going to get any work from me again. Had I, you know, had I not had a regular job that I had, a, I had to do at the time, I probably would have seriously investigated, you know, the, the possibility of being booked with another agent. I didn't. And that was pretty much the end of my my acting career in, in Chicago and South Dakota. That that sucks. But, All because you're yeah. just trying to trying to hold somebody accountable and to yeah, have that exactly. And, like that. You know, there's a there's a really uh, pretty lady by the name of Raquel Gardner who got her start about the same time I did, and she was much more um, skilled at playing the game than I was and. She's blossomed into quite an actress. She runs a, an acting school, I think, out in California now. She's originally from Cleveland, Ohio. But she did it the right way, and I, and I did it the wrong way. If you want to be a successful actor, evidently, you got to learn how to 
kiss a little hiney. Yeah. Um. Oh, before we go on, I just wanted to say thank you for sweater. Yeah. Love the sweater. Yeah. Love the sweater. sweater. Looks great. Oh, <laughs> that's about all I have. So. Hey, that's cool, man. Hey, we're making it work. Um, looking over your uh the Facebook page, kind of the history, I I can definitely get a sense that you have a passion for, um. I don't know really know what it's called when you're getting into like cycling, kayaking. Like I want to call it extreme sports, but well, um, I, I used I I used to be and I I I wouldn't call it extreme, but that's what it's kind of that that title's been evoked. And um, yeah, I, I was a, a class five whitewater kayaker and a mountain biker and a road race bike bike bicycle road racer and rock climber, and I did all kinds of stuff like that. But my knees have uh, developed serious arthritis and are bone on bone right now. And yeah. I've got to get them replaced before I can do anything really aside from sitting on the couch and watching television. So I've, I've developed uh, heterotopic ossification after my last really bad bicycle accident. I was in a coma for a week and mm. I'm in the hospital for three months and I fractured my elbow. And I guess when you suffer a, a head injury along with a, a brain injury, along with a bone trauma, you stand the chance of developing heterotopic ossification, which is a, it's, a, it's an immediate bone calcification around the area that was, that, that met with trauma. And it happened in my elbow. And unfortunately it's pressing on a nerve uh, that, that governs the function of my hand. I used to be a, a classical pianist and a very accomplished artist. I used to do photographic reproductions. I can do neither of those anymore. So um, my, uh, I, I've got, a, I've had the, the bone growth removed four times. This will be time number five. And hopefully this time they can prevent it from recurring. I don't know whether that's going to work or not, but, um, that's kind of my history there. So the, uh, I was so interested when I saw, when I look on your IMDb and I see that, um, planes, trains, and automobiles is like almost like a solo credit. And uh, you rarely see that where somebody just dips their toes in and then, right. and then like uh, I'm out now. And then it kind of makes sense with the, the issues with the agent being blackballed there. Um, but was that like, how did you take that? Was acting something that you wanted to pursue? Did that feel like a loss to you or did, did you? Did it you was something that I very, very much wanted to pursue, but I was much younger then and I was devastated. You know, um, I, I fought for my rights and I thought that would be, backed up by the agent and it wasn't i mean taft entertainment isn't the biggest you know producer in the world and i figured they'd be more interested in protecting their talents interests than protecting a production company i, I was wrong though <laughs> um so yeah all right let me ask you a question here so of course you can audition for parts and things of that nature and sometimes you just read for a role you don't know what is going to happen how did you other than your agent how did you end up with that specific role as being the guy that, i mean you had the luckiest you're the luckiest guy in the film you get to make out smoke cigarettes do it again back to one i mean how did, how did you end up in that role well i there was a casting i i lived in i, I just gotten out of the navy and uh, I was living in Woodstock, Illinois, which coincidentally is where a large portion of that movie was filmed. Um, and they had a casting call, which I went to with my girlfriend, who is the lady that I'm kissing in the, in the movie. And uh, they looked at us uh, and they said, wow, they said, we, we think we've got a part for you right now. You guys just seem to click really well together. And you know, 
So I said, oh, that'd be great. Okay, you know, that's pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, we ended up going to a, a little town called Bradenton, Illinois. It's a, it's a kind of a, it's, this, it's the scene where he, they're in the motel and uh, uh, he, he ends up uh, putting his hands between- um, Between the pillows. <laughs> yes, the pillows, right. And uh, that, that was the motel that was in Bradenton. And we met there. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, they didn't film that day. Oh, I should say, prior to getting this role, John cast a nephew of his and a uh, pretty girl whose name I can't remember. And he didn't work out for the part. He got a little arrogant and started acting like you know, a movie star. And so he canned him and they called yep. us. Um, and uh, so we, we hung around Bradenton for about a, well, a day and they didn't film our scene. It, it took three days of waiting and, and, and you know, I, I wasn't really, I, I hadn't done a lot of film work at that point and not the, to the degree that I was doing it at this, at this point. And I wasn't used to being put on hold. We were, we were put on hold and eventually we ended up um, going up to the, I don't know if you recall, there's a, there's a, a scene where, well, it's in the motel again. And, and that's where they, they started the filming of our scene. And um, it was three days after, we, we waited around three days and we spent a day filming basically. And um, the person who originally had the lines, why don't you take a picture to last longer was Karen, my, my ex-girlfriend. And Unfortunately, she she lacked a, a very seductive voice, which was what John was looking for. Um, you know, she's kind of kind of a high pitched uh, uh, melodic voice, and and so he says, "Well, let's hear you say it, Andrew." And he liked what he saw, so he went with me, um, and that's how I ended up with lines. I, I I was trying to get Karen introduced to the modeling world at that point and acting. She was a beautiful woman, but she didn't seem to be very well acclimated to it. I was, I was kind of, um, it was kind of a futile endeavor, so to speak. And I ended up being the, the star and, and in spite of promoting her, I ended up being the guy that was, that was doing the line. I was just going to say that you took her there you, for the audition for, for, for her modeling career. And because uh, John's nephew was acting like an ass, he got canned. And because of that, she was still supposed to get, this line was meant for you, man. It went through like five people before it got to you. Some things are just meant to be, man. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was very lucky, no doubt about that. I, I like to say it had to do all with acting skills, but I was in the right place at the right time. And, right. Uh, yeah, but you, uh, you, you did have a, like, I, I saw that maybe the first time as a kid and that as short as that scene is, it stood out to me. And especially that line mm -hmm. and the way it's delivered, it's so like, it's so like quintessential 80s, right. everything about they it. They use it on those mashups when you're showing stuff like films from the 80s. Your line shows up all the time. Like I felt like you could have been like John Bender's uh, brother or cousin from The Breakfast Club or something like that. Well, it it's interesting that you say that because when I went to the, when I went to, the, I, we had our, our first, uh, like I said, our first deal was in, was in Woodstock. And then we went down to, we went to another casting call. Basically they were refining their decision um, down to the studio. I think Oprah Winfrey owns it now, but she didn't at the time. And um, they told me to, to dress for the part when I went for the second edition. 
and I dressed like John Bender. I wore a, a, a ankle length uh, uh, Harris tweed jacket and, you know, the whole nine yards. And I, I, I looked like John Bender, a blonde one. So yeah, it's, it's, he was kind of the guy I was looking to pattern myself after. And I, I evidently I succeeded because it, it, that's a good deal. Absolutely <laughs> see it for sure. Um, and I know that John Hughes is, he's like notorious for shooting way more footage than, I wouldn't say way more footage than necessary because who am I to say that his work came out amazing, but he shot an abundance of footage. Um, so I was just curious with, with your scene, how long did that take to shoot? Like how long were you, riding around in a bus with an with, eight, eight hour day so steve martin's watching you make out <laughs> that's yep. like there are people out you realize there are people out there today that would probably pay steve martin to have him watch to hit that make out with their girlfriend <laughs> that's 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 uh good on you man well they both you know the thing that brings up another interesting point both steve martin and john candy stayed in role whether they were on the camera or off the camera so I, I, I got kind of the impression that Steve was a, kind of a prick and he isn't, he's a very nice guy. Um, mm -hmm. but, but John had the, had the luxury of basically playing himself. He's just a big roly poly friendly outgoing guy. And, and I, after our role, I stopped at his trailer and I wanted, I wanted to say thanks. And it was fun working with him. He says, Oh, well, that's great kids. And, you know, I enjoyed working with you too. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so sad that he passed away because he was such a such a sweet man. I guess he his his wife related uh, that he had had been filming someplace and he was late for his shot because he was talking to a kid next door at a bar who was interested in acting and he couldn't tear himself away. So that wow. that's the kind of guy he was. And and uh, I think Hollywood needs more folks like him that are just down to earth, sweet, kind people. Like you said. Uh, uh, I like me. My wife likes me. Yeah. People like me. I'm, yeah, right, I'm the right. real deal. Right, a genuine article, 100%. Let me ask you a question. A lot of times uh, those lines, those classic lines, they're written, sometimes they're improvised. Was that always the line, or were there any lines they tried out before that? No, it, it wasn't always the line. There were several that he tried, and that's the one that he wanted to go with. I was going to suggest, why don't you take a picture you can play with it later in the back of the bus, but I think that might be... <laughs> Might be a little bit too obtuse, so I kind of refrained. Um, but John, John was just a, a swell guy. I mean, we sat and bullshit for hours on the train. We talked about the Breakfast Club at length, and he he uh, uh, went over the personalities off screen of each of the actors that were in the the uh, Breakfast Club and and what their deal was, you know, and and. You know who was a money grubber and who wasn't, and and uh, uh, you know who was in it for the fun of acting and who was in it to make money, and and that was that was really enlightening and and it was a lot of fun. Um, I I it was interesting that I landed the part in the movie because I'd done a report in school on the Breakfast Club and how it's kind of like a microcosm of of teen life in America. Each one of the characters kind of epitomized a certain you know, character trait each one of us run, runs into in high school. And that he had, to, he had to be a man who remembered what it was like to be a kid, to, yeah. to so effectively present the story as he did. And I had a lot of respect for him because my father was a man that always said to me, Andrew, I want you to understand, I haven't forgotten what it's like to be a kid. And I always, that was something that 
I recognized a lot of my other friends wasn't the case, that their parents didn't remember what it was like to be a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that really turned me on about John is that he and my father had similar sentiments. And you know, I love my father to death. He was a great man. Anyway, I'm, I'm babbling. <laughs> no, no. That's good fun. stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, if you don't mind us asking, what 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 does the paycheck look like for some for that role? Like riding around for eight, well, really, you're on hold for three days, riding around for eight hours, essentially doing what you would probably be doing anyway, um, making out with your girlfriend, having a cigarette, <laughs> with the exception yeah, of not exactly. talking talking to Steve Martin. Um, like, do you mind us asking that? Like, what what? No, that... no, not at all. All all told, it. I mean, with the residuals, which I still get now and then, they're, they're like $20 checks now. They're not that big anymore, but I still get residuals. About $13,000 all told. That's not bad. Yeah, that's no. good. That's good. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty solid. That's, um, well, we, we read that the, the guy that plays the uh, truck driver, uh, the shy truck driver that makes him ride in the back, I think that's the guy that they're referring to because he's the only truck driver that really makes an appearance that he – he, he was yeah. in a similar situation where he had like he, it was like eight days or something like that. Yeah, for that one shoot because they were waiting for the snow to come, and he ended up being able to put a down payment on a house off of not even having a line. Um, that, yeah, that's that's just crazy. Yeah, well, crazy. I I've come to find that Paramount really treated us well, um, and I don't know whether I, I imagine John probably had a lot of say in that, um, mm. but you know he he was, and that's I'm so sad he's. I, it's such a shame that man's no longer with us because I think he was the epitome of what what a Hollywood director should be. Well, he wasn't really a Hollywood director; he was a Chicago director. But um, you know, he he was kind, he was engaging, he was interested in the people that he had working for him, um, and that's I I come to discover a fairly rare occurrence with with directors um, and. Uh, I appreciated it to no end. And the thing that's sad is I moved from Woodstock into Chicago and John retired and he moved out to a little town called Harvard, Illinois, which is about 10 miles north of Woodstock. And it's a little farm town, a tiny little farm town with like population 500 and, um, you know, cornfields for as far as I can see. And I can never really understand why a guy from the North shore of Chicago moved out to Harvard, Illinois, but he must have liked the, the, the quiet, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, but I'd always wanted to write him a letter and I never did. And then he died. And I, I just like, I was kicking myself in the butt for not taking the bull by the horns. And I figured, well, he's probably getting millions of letters, but you know, now that I reflect on it, I think that he would have probably written me back. Like if you were to send a letter, what, what would you have said in a nutshell? I really, you know, after having worked in the film world for, you know, a few years after having worked for him, that I recognized what, what a valuable asset he is to the, to the acting community. Um, and that, oh, that's, that brings up another thing. When I was in Chicago doing my second casting call, um, I, I was trying to stress to Karen, I said, I sense that these guys are not looking for Hollywood actor types. I think they're looking for regular people. So don't go into you're a model and you've been to this school and that school. And I just say, you know, I'm a fashion merchandiser for where, where I can't remember where she worked, but she was a, she, she's a fashion merchandiser. Well, of course she doesn't do that. 
they came to me and they said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm, I'm uh, uh, advertising manager for a publishing company. And Michael Chinnick was a guy that was doing the second casting conference. Oh, really? He says, that's what John and I used to do. And, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> he says, yeah, we used to write ad copy and put ads together. And I said, yep, that's, that's what I do too. So he talked to me for about 10 minutes and he just kind of bopped over everyone else and said, I went to the school for the performing arts and la-di-da-di-da-di-da, which is pretty neat. Um, that, that was something that's always kind of stuck with me. And I, I recognize the importance of, at least with these guys, of being upfront with who you really are and what you really do and not trying to blow a lot of smoke up their asses. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been recognized for your part in the film? Are you walking down the street? I mean, I know it's been since 87, but still, like, do, were you recognized when it first came out and since then? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I have been. Um, and and the, the one that really got me was I was auditioning for uh, a movie that was being produced by some... Uh, uh, Native Americans in uh, Rapid City, and I don't think that it ever came to be, but I had the addition with uh, a Hollywood movie star, and he, I walked in, and he says, hey, you're the, you're the guy, you're the bus lover, aren't you? And I, I said, oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> and, and that was pretty neat, because I didn't, I had long hair, and I didn't, I didn't look like I did in that movie, like a young Republican, so, um, yeah, uh, uh, that that was pretty shocking um and i i would say probably maybe maybe two other times when somebody's actually pointed at me and said hey are you you know um but the rest of the time i'm pretty much uh facing the crowd shall we say are there uh, besides like i know you mentioned riding on the train with uh john hughes and getting that like insider info on uh on breakfast club which by the way i hope judd nelson falls into the cool camp of uh in that scenario but are there any other memories from the set that you want to share we the bus that we filmed our scene on only had like two seats on it or three seats that was it we took all the rest of the stuff out and it's all full of lights and cameras and people oh, wow and, um, and then they, they, I guess that they either put the seats back in the bus or they used a different bus for the scenes where we were sitting, you know, singing the song and, and, and that sort of thing. I wish I could remember the name of the town that funky little motel was in where he, he puts his hand between the pillows. Um, darn it. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a north, it was a north, far north suburb up, uh, I think it was north of north Chicago, but I, I, uh, it's 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 an accurately portrayed motel let's put it that way because i i, I think uh if i if we're talking about if i'm remembering the same motel in the research i did i think that there was actually that the owner of that motel was arrested recently for, yes, for a, a uh, prostitution prostitution, right, prostitution house. And, yeah and, but it, oh, yeah, it's called that, sun that city hotel or something. because there's, there's a titty bar across the street <laughs> and down about a half a mile from that from that i imagine that was probably the place where the guys that uh Hooked up with the titty bar ladies, went after hours, kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bed by the hour. <laughs> Let me ask you a question here. Like, clearly, like you say, you had you had a passion for acting, but you also, as you mentioned, you got into stunt work. Did you find a passion into that, and what made you get into that, like, as far as doing all that stunt work? I was an athlete. I mean, I was really seriously athletic. I'd been outward bound and done all kinds of, you know, outdoorsy stuff my whole life, and that was something that kind of just came natural to me. Um, and I could, I could do it without hurting myself, which a lot of people don't have the luxury of being able to do. Um, and it was easier for me to get than, than, 
than speaking roles, you know. Right. And, uh, they're always looking for some dumbass to fall off a building or, you know. Uh, and there's not that many people willing to do that sort of thing. There's a lot of people willing to be in a speaking role in a movie. So the competition was a lot, a lot more <laughs> slim for, for that sort of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to fall off the building? Don't everybody raise their hands at once. <laughs> um, and uh, looking at your page, I've, I've, I've noticed that you are a man of many trades. Like you've held a vast array of positions in various professions over the years. What would you say is the most uh, interesting job that you've had besides telling Steve Martin that it'll take a picture to last longer? <laughs> well, I, I, I own I, I own my I it's now defunct. I'm not doing it anymore. I own my own uh, uh, design corporation. I used to is that Rapid Creek? Yeah, right. OK. okay. Yeah, I, I designed a, a whitewater hulls for kayaks uh, on a CAD CAM program, which was all me. You know, there was no other employee. It was all me, and that I I spent probably a year working on my first. Uh, I was learning a CAD CAM program at the same time I was designing this hull. And what I'd done is I I drawn it, and I'd realized that to have my mold made, I'm going to have to have uh, a proper engineering drawing. And there's the the, the hull of the kayak is is so swoopy and sw it, it's it's not a square boxy thing it's it's right. a, a, aerodynamic very organic. yeah and i was thinking i this this is i'm going to have to figure out well i came to the conclusion well i should learn cad cam and i figured well that that will i mean i can submit my drawing directly to the mold maker and and he can make the mold number 1 and number 2 with the neat skins and stuff now that you can lay over the frame the, the wire frame drawing I could use it for marketing as well. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of the route that I was very, very interested in that. Um, and the, the rest, you know, I'm, a, I'm an actor, so I do a lot of waiting, waiting tables. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us do. Um, yeah. teaches it teaches it how to, how to put on different personalities. There's no doubt about that to, to, mm -hmm. to interact with people well. And if you, if you want to be a waiter that makes a living doing it, you've got to learn how to read people and act appropriately. Um, and I would say, while it wasn't a particularly, uh, it wasn't a career, so to speak, I found waiting tables very interesting. Um, I, I waited in mostly moderate fine dining restaurants where you know, I had mom and dad and the kids come in and then I have upper class hoodie snooties that came in and you had, to, you had to be able to treat them, interact with them differently, shall we say. And, and I've also worked in a tourist town up in Deadwood and I, I have done a lot of hiking, a lot of exploring in the Black Hills. Um, unlike the kids that grew up here who only could go up in the hills to cut something down, shoot something or dig something up. My buddy Charlie and I, he was from San Diego. We moved out here in 78. We were just, after school, we were up in the hills exploring and chasing animals around and dinking around. And uh, um, I, I found a lot of neat places like old abandoned mines that had shafts that you could go down and big steam engines and stuff. And I used to tell my customers about these things um, to get them out of the, Deadwood is a casino town, and I was trying, people come up there with kids, I know the kids would be sitting around watching mom and dad jerk on the, on the, you know, the coin machine and get bored, and mm -hmm. I said, you know, I figured, well, how could I keep them in the town a little bit longer, how could I get them to come back and let me wait on them and make more money, 
And I started telling them about the things, other things to do in the hills that their kids would enjoy and that they would enjoy. And um, that's one of the ways, that's another method, methodology I had of learning to interact with people and learning how to portray myself differently to different people. Awesome. And I, I would say, you know, in that regard, waiting tables was probably one of the most valuable positions I had that aided me in my acting career. Obviously, sitting in a dark room on a computer didn't, didn't really do much <laughs> in that regard. But. You have such a compelling story. I'm just interested to know where it goes from here for you. What do, what do you... Like where where is your passion at today? What do you what do, where do you hope to see yourself in the future? Just I would I would really, especially since I, my last bicycle accident, I was in a coma for a week. I was in the hospital for three months. Um, I, I was really busted up, and I've got congenital arthritis and our uh, uh, family passed down arthritis in my knees. I've got to get them replaced, which I'm going to do here fairly soon. As soon as I do, I would really enjoy acting again. Well, I'll say you this. You got two fans right here, man. So listen, we I think the, the children of the 80s deserve to see you again so we can see how it's truly done, as you mentioned with John Candy, of course, being Hollywood needs more nice guys, and you seem to definitely be one of them, Andrew. So if you get back on screen, please let... Well, actually, you'll be back on screen uh, next Thursday or this Thursday. Thursday. You'll be This Thursday, you'll be on screen next with Thursday. us. Next Thursday, you'll be on screen with us. But uh, listen, it has been more than a pleasure. I look forward to following your journey, man. Whether it's kayaking, back to stunt work, bicycling, you're you're an interesting guy, man, and I definitely appreciate you taking out the time for us. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. It's greatly appreciated. Find us in all these links. It's coming up right now. Why don't you subscribe? It'll last longer.